Speaking of holiday era and birthday gifts, I'm uh, I'm cracking this one open, Greg. Uh, this is Greg's uh, oh, yeah. present to me, and um, I haven't nice. um, read it yet, but I uh, I'm just started on chapter one, and it's like Fucking really great. Classic, Even, like, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book rules, and uh, just get ready to have uh, whatever month ruined that you choose to read it in. But um, <laughs> the I was trying to find where my copy is. I'd lost a copy, my original copy of it, and then gotten a new one at some point. And it was a used copy and some, and it was like a clearly like a student copy, you know, like from some class I took it. Yeah. And the student took the time to write like a letter on the front page about how this is all libtard lies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was trying to find where my copy was. I can't, I can't see it on my bookshelf, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, a treasured addition to the book as far as I'm concerned. Hell yeah, that rocks, man. Oh my God. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mike Davis is, yeah, the goat. Well, I had a party and, um, well, more specifically, my roommate had a party for his uh, birthday a little bit after Christmas. And uh, he, some people came <laughs> over and like they got to see all my books and everything and what I realized in that moment is that, you know, the people who are attracted to the books will like start talking to me about them. And I realized that I'm actually filling the vacuum that Eric Adams uh, has been leaving with the public libraries. Cause every time I have a party, <laughs> I, I inevitably, uh, you know, uh, lend books to people, yeah, yeah. which uh, I'll, I'll never, I'll never see them. I'll yep. never see the books again, but um, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, this is actually the vacuum that I'm filling is the mm-hmm. libraries are now closed on the weekends. And so they got to come to the people's library being my <laughs> my living room. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like political organizations and even unions used to have their own libraries. Right. That was of sources of not, you know, politically, you know, important stuff that they thought their membership and stuff should read, but also just like kids books and things like that yeah, too. Right. Um, that'd be a nice thing to revive. Yeah. For, I like that for that. Yeah. I'm for that. Yeah. I have books to donate. That'll be cool. Yeah. I was about to donate. I was about to, cause like there was a one guy who was like really like curious about, uh, you know, my history research and stuff like, and, uh, you know, ending the myth and, but he hasn't like read any history and he kind of was only thinking about, you know, Oh, like what, what to do in the future. I'm like, well, to do that, you got to first, you know, maybe understand some history. It might like clear some stuff up as counterintuitive as it might sound looking to the past, mm-hmm. you know, clears up the future a bit. So he was like, Oh, like, you know, what, what, what books here you want to read? And I was about to give him my copy of the Jakarta method. And then like, just a thought like ran through my mind being like, I like my highlights too much. I I, yep. I like my nose too much. I, I ain't giving you this book. <laughs> I found a real fresh book with no, with no, not a spine inside. And I was like, this is the one to read, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and uh. funny enough, it was my, it was my uh, Verso copy of how Europe underdeveloped Africa. Then I kept your copy that you gave oh, me. Nice. So uh, yeah. the, the duplicate, uh, how Europe underdeveloped Africa, I think is going to just like, you know, continue to pass on to the next person. So hopefully he reads it, but I'm so glad I didn't give him my Jakarta method copy. Cause I was like, I was even, th- I had it in my hand and I was like, nah, dude, no, I lie. This is too, this is too sacred. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even do it. Welcome back to Mechanical Freak, and we're back from the holidays, freaking in Seattle and New York. Greg, he's on the boat. He's sicker than he's ever been. Uh, he's exploring new levels of sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he, fine. He's... I got up and took my supplements, and I'm fine. 
He's developed a pickle brine based uh, uh, congenital illness here. Uh, we'll be checking in with him throughout the show to make sure he's still alive, that he's doing okay. Munya is in New York after visiting the spiritual home of Bodegas, uh, Bodega, California. <laughs> he went to the original Bodega and got the original egg sandwich. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, you really can have breakfast on the West Coast. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. breakfast is uh, not canceled anymore on the West Coast. You can now have breakfast again. It's like basically like a pilgrimage in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in New York, you got to go to like the bodega. What if uh, you know, like when we were doing Ending the Myth, we saw this uh, through the literature. Like groups sometimes would move west together. Right. And then they would like name a town after whatever their weird group was. So what if like just a group of bodega owners? Like they struck out west, they like, like the late nineteenth century. Like, oh, this is a nice bay. We'll call it Bodega Bay, and we'll call <laughs> <Yeah>. this place. <laughs> and for like the first year, every store there was a bodega. Like every business was a bodega, and they realized like this is not going to work. <laughs> I do. I do seem to remember there being like one of the highlights being recommended. You know, was a little corner store. You know, uh, <laughs> that we all had to go try the sandwiches at. So uh, that looked like it'd been there for a hundred years. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to that place, man. That's a uh, that's the bodega bodega. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, look. In additional holiday news, did you guys catch the Seattle New Year's at uh, the Space Needle special? Oh, I I did even better. I saw it live in person. Oh, okay. So you we'll have to get an on-the-ground report from Greg here. That's, uh, I assume when I got this, picked up this rhinovirus, was at a an apartment <laughs> New Year's Eve party on Queen Anne, on yeah. the south slope of Queen Anne. Nice, nice. Well, as longtime listeners might be aware... Uh, I am an enormous fan of, I think it's Cairo that always does it, but I'm an enormous fan of the Seattle New Year's Eve special. I demand at every party I'm at that everybody shut the fuck up for that hour from 11 to 12 so that I can watch it. <laughs> All right. I like, I would demand dead <laughs> silence until midnight <laughs> so I can see every moment of this special. And, uh, look, it killed again this year. We had drunk hosts botching lines. We had bad jokes that didn't land. We had commentary that was just said and then fell off a cliff. Uh, we had a hilariously uh, and weirdly somber music performance from some West Seattle band that nobody knows and will forget instantly. Uh, but most importantly, we had the uh, coming back from the news break and the people that were hosting not understanding that they were on a live broadcast with a live mic. And I need to put this out there because oh, me yeah. and me and my friend Ben heard something on that live mic. <laughs> <laughs> and I've not heard anybody else reference it, but I also am realizing I might be the only person that watches the show. But they came back and uh, they gave us the hard R. No, not the one you're thinking of. That <laughs> other one. The one that starts with an R. But they came back in and I swear to God, you heard the male host say the other one. That's retarded. <laughs> to the endless amusement of me and Ben. <laughs> oh my God. So so basically they just took a trip to Dime Square and uh, came back with new vocabulary. 
<laughs> basically and and we were to just like dying the, the, the alt tradcath podcast and like you know let it slip a little bit <laughs> and i was really bad because i had essentially annoyed everybody out of the room uh when this happened so it was just me and one other person that got to witness it but uh look i once again doff my cap to the uh people that do the seattle new year's coverage uh perfect as always also Congrats once again on uh, firing off fireworks when it's a high humidity day with like atmospheric pressure so that it was completely covered in clouds. Missed the entire fireworks special. It was just covered yeah, no, in these smoke no wind. from the fireworks. They didn't do the they didn't just do a drone show. They, they had a partial drone show. And then, of course, they finished with fireworks at midnight. But uh, uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, what did it look uh, like from your point, Greg, from your viewpoint, Greg? I mean, it was one of the it was one of the worst, you know, like, yeah, it's not, <laughs> like it's, this has happened many times before. You know, every few years, this is how it goes. It's always stupid. But <laughs> this was from the beginning, from the first like, you know, it always looks like they're exploding the Space Needle for like it's Independence <laughs> Day. But uh, the movie. Uh, but yeah, every few years, like you say, the first few fireworks just like let off a cloud of smoke that does not dissipate. And so it's just like these haunting, like glowing flashes coming out of uh, a dense cloud. Yeah. It was, just it was of incredible. An exploding building. Yeah. It's uh, totally space. Needle is totally invisible. I assume it was much yeah. the same on television. <laughs> oh no, you couldn't see anything. My friend Mike had posted a picture. Uh, I think on Instagram or whatever. He's like, love Seattle new years where he just took a picture of the screen where all it is, is just a big cloud going across the screen of smoke. And you can see like faintly light on either side of it, like on the top yeah. and bottom, but that's it. Yeah. And very helpfully, the people hosting it just kept insisting, oh, it's really foggy today, really foggy. And it's like, yeah, that fog located specifically right on top of the space mm. needle. <laughs> but Incredible. I just feel like we should be able to check weather conditions at this point. Like, we, you know, somebody has well, to know how like, this all It works. happens at midnight. Like, we can't control <laughs> the weather. Like, you're going to do it. You set it up. You paid for it. They can't take the fireworks down. Like, they, they, they have to let them <laughs> off once they've planted them. <laughs> also, I have this theory, like, the worse the, the Space Needle fireworks show is, the better the year is going to go. So I mm. feel like 2024 looking up. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, I'll give one more doff of my cap to uh, whoever set this up. I, you know, I was not able to catch all of the music selection for the, uh, the, the whole new year's thing at the needle uh, because somebody, I won't say who, and I won't say they live in my house and I'm married to them was very loudly talking through the beginning of it. But <laughs> um, I do not honestly. Think why will New New Year's Eve revelers not shut the fuck up for the Cairo New Year's Eve special? <laughs> Greg, <laughs> this is my life. Uh, you know, I've been fighting this battle for years. All right, New Year's revelers, shut up. All right, you can talk again at twelve oh five a.m. All right, but uh, I, Super Bowl. But I'll doff the cap one more time because I don't think they played a single Macklemore song. And that would be Whoa. a first in at least a decade. Well, it's and, funny because uh, Macklemore uh, had a tour in Seattle like where this year. So, you know, he's more relevant than ever mm -hmm. uh, sans an album. So yeah, but also he joined Hamas, if you recall. Mm. Oh shit! Well, maybe that was it. That's right. Maybe that was it. Uh, Hamas yeah. Lamar. Coincidence? Hmm. Mm. 
they now they did play and highlight Modest Mouse. So does that mean Modest Mouse is IDF now? <laughs> so we're finding out. But well, I uh, mean, you know, maybe it just means they've condemned Hamas. <laughs> maybe they called around. Maybe the music producer called around. You know, do you condemn like, Hamas? Condemned <laughs> that was the first question. Macklemore hung up on them. <laughs> yeah, Macklemore, man. Macklemore, the what hero. One. See, this is the them. thing. As much as we clown on Macklemore. I was like a lot of people were genuinely shocked when he did this. I I wasn't like surprised necessarily that he mm-hmm. that he do no. something like this. Like he, he's always kind of been, you know, within like the Seattle kind of, you know, lefty-ish like circles. I'm not saying he's done like organizing right, but he's like, you Wants know, in Garfield in the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he yeah. always has been like that in Seattle, you know, and even like for who he hang like Garfield's a pretty segregated school. He'd always be hanging out with the black kids in Garfield too, you know? Like he was like mm-hmm. not um I think people have this vision of him where he was like he's like a you know, went to like an all white school or something and then like, you know, uh mm-hmm. kind of like came from this like upper middle class background without like respecting like anything that came before it. And it's like, nah, he's like tried pretty hard, you know, like his, his bogey boy stuff is corny. Like a lot of the stuff he says, so it's easy for, you know, us to dunk on him, but it's, it wasn't a surprise to me for him to like, uh, you know, come out in support of Palestine. Also, he's you know what does he have to lose really? Like yeah. he, he's, his track he's an playing at the New Year's Eve special on Cairo. Well, yeah, no, exactly. And like he <laughs> he's not like on a label. Like he's no, he's not coming his back. His whole thing is that he's independent. Well, you know? I, I'll also give this credit to Macklemore. And like this has always been our critique of him that he's corny. But yeah, like uh, which he is. Don't yeah, get me he wrong, guys. <laughs> he is corny. Wow, is he corny? Yeah. <laughs> so in 2014, when uh, the stuff of Ferguson uh, kicked off. And there was the first, like, kind of spontaneous Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle, which happened, like, at night and originated in Capitol Hill. I have it from good authority from multiple people I know who saw him there that Macklemore was there. And that was in 2014 mm. when he was still on MTV and shit and, like, actually yeah. did have a yeah. career to risk or whatever. He seems to be successful now. I don't know why we keep acting like he's dead. He just yeah, played no. the Tacoma Dome or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. but, like, but, uh, so, you know, look, um, I guess we kid with Macklemore and fun, but for once we will say Mackle truly Macklemore. We like it. Macklemore. Let's hear, mm-hmm. let's hear mean, more. You know, when, the, when there is an active, like horrifying sort of incomprehensible genocide taking place and the, the country you live in is actively doing it and you're being bombarded every day by, you know, an entire like political and media apparatus trying to silence anyone uh, who, you know, has anything bad to say about that, that lines are drawn. And I mean, it isn't, I don't, you know, it isn't corny. I think to say like Macklemore is cool for this. Like, you know, like it, yeah, it, it does matter more than anything else. Like this is mm-hmm. the line, you know, yeah. like it's a pretty clear one. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and a lot of people aren't, a lot of people aren't that, uh, aren't that cool or aren't that brave, you know? So Mm -hmm. like it does like, yeah, people are being punished, you know, just for not condemning Hamas, you know? Yeah. 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 And you know, look, I, you could say, oh, what's uh, Macklemore risking or whatever. He's like a rich guy or whatever. 
uh, well, there's lots of rich guys who are not doing shit. So, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, mm-hmm. so like, hey, you know, I'll take it. All right. Well, additional uh, fun New Year's Eve uh, news, New Year news. Uh, we got to hear. Did this did this come out in the New Year? Just prior to the New Year, on December twenty seventh. Uh, a little bit of reveling and Schadenfreude for the freak heads out there who are into sports. Russell Wilson done for the season, being benched for contract purposes <laughs> in preparation of being released. And all I can say is just one more. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> you don't have to be into sports L-O-L. to be to want to <laughs> revel. I, I don't know. Is it? What what is it about? I read the story and like, uh, actually no, my dad and his girlfriend read it out loud when I finally visited them just before the new year in Aberdeen. Um, little, I got some lore <laughs> updates if you want. Um, uh, and I don't know, maybe it was hearing it from them and them just absolutely like. Uh, leveling the poor guy i, I don't know do i somehow i feel bad for him he's just such a pathetic figure now like now yeah, the, yeah. i think in my mind yeah. he's already been brought low like last year like <laughs> what we talked yeah, about yeah. like the whole saga of like how he you know, went to another team and was revealed to be an incompetent idiot who can't play football <laughs> and like so and that was so much fun because he's such a he's just such a smarmy loathsome figure but like now that that's already happened like just here just just continue to see him get ground into dust like i oh like it kind of it's just like uh, it's just you know so what it sad is, is simpsons mean is it's a stop stop he's dead already yeah. he's yeah. so sad like and he just has to keep like posting like like uh, whatever God has in store for me next, you know, or some shit like that. Like, it's just like, damn, dude. Has his well, wife left him yet? <laughs> That's oh, no. coming, man. Like, Sierra's a ride or die, dis- dude. His kids mm-hmm. disowning him is coming down the road, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Once they're old enough. Well, the thing about Russell is, you know, this is a, what differentiates him from uh, Macklemore, is that they're both extremely corny individuals. Yeah. Mm. But Russell also gives off yeah this like evil vibe and you hear it from his former teammates of he's the kid who tattles on you in class right like he is as several of them have joked we don't fuck with russ he's management and that is uh, not what you like to hear you know who you know who he is (laughs) he's he's the nfl pete Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, yeah. He's literally Mayor Pete. If Mayor Pete was a football player, it would be Russell Wilson. Well, yeah. and just like just like yeah, Mayor he's Pete, staying he was, on the he's still on the team, but he's basically the water boy now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, it's like it, it, when you look at him too, if it's like if you were like five percent less desperate, like this actually might all work for you, right? Like it, it like it almost might work, right? But it's the pu- it's the total desperation, the emptiness of it all, right? Which uh, <laughs> which really sticks it now. To Greg's point, though, this is a little bittersweet for me as well, in that the benching is partially uh, in order to uh, avoid contract issues, which I don't approve of teams trying to go around players' contracts, right? But oh, yeah, you the, you you'd prefer the NFL to keep you know itself pure, <laughs> you know, not let <laughs> money not let money get in the way of the game. That's no, I prefer, that's Ryan's stance. I he's prefer a, he's a, he, that's the kind of NFL fan he is. 
<laughs> I would prefer that all that basically player contracts be like the military where it's all one way binding, where the NFL has to follow the player's contract exactly to the T under threat of being thrown off a cliff. Uh, but the player can do whatever they want. <laughs> Like, like, like if they decide that they just want to eat hot dogs all day after signing their, you know, contract, they should be able to do that. And uh, so, I I don't like that. I'm I'm here defending Russell Wilson's contract. Uh, Broncos signed that contract issue. Yeah, they signed that contract of free will in mind, and the fact that uh, Russell was not the quarterback they thought he was—that's their problem, not his problem. Can we walk through why benching him for two games? uh, I guess helps their contract. So. uh, he has an injury clause in his contract that if he gets seriously hurt while under contract, he has guaranteed money flowing to him. Right. At the same time, uh, at the end of this year, I think if they release him after June, uh, it limits the amount of dead cap space that the Broncos have to pay in order to keep him on, which essentially means it's going to limit the amount of money that Russell get because when they let him go this summer, which they're going to do, uh, he will not have fulfilled his contract, right? He mm. still has more years on his contract, but it's going to cut off the amount of money the team has to pay him. So the thing mm. to understand about player contracts in the NFL is that when you see that big number splashed on the news media or whatever of like, oh, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes signs a billion dollar contract, right? Uh, the players actually never get that money. Like the like whatever that amount you saw is, they're only going to get a fraction of it. And yeah. it's because teams are allowed to do things like they're about to do to Russell where they cut him and it gets them out of a percentage of pay of contract payouts. Right now, that's all specific to the individual contracts and things. But it's fucking bullshit in a sport that's as dangerous as the NFL. Uh, this is crap. I'm Mm. sorry. Uh, Also, the other part that's bittersweet about it is I personally hate Sean Payton. And I think the Broncos are getting everything they asked for by hiring that fucking hack. And uh, I actually don't think that all of Russell Wilson's problems this year are Russell Wilson problems. Certainly plenty of them are. But (laughs) but I think Sean Payton is also, uh, you know, but that I hate the just the the cult of coaching in the NFL of like, well, Sean Payton won a Super Bowl in like 2003. So clearly he's, he's still got that touch, even though he was in the booth for like six years and stuff, (laughs) whatever, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Um, but yeah, but anyways, I can't uh, believe that he's still coaching to be honest. I mean, it's, he's been coaching forever. Well, no, he was, he was in the booth for a while and then he came back this year to coach the Broncos. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I I was like Sean Payton. I haven't heard that name since like the new Orleans saints in like 2006. Like I, 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 (laughs) that's like a throwback name, you know? Yeah. And it's one of those things too, of like, look, there was a lot of good, like he won the super bowl at new Orleans one year, but there was a lot of good teams he had that were just squandered. Like I, I, I just, I don't like Sean Payton. And yeah. so I don't like yeah. him getting the win here uh, and not getting blamed is what I feel should happen for uh, what's going on in Denver. That being said, uh, big win for Marsh- Marshawn Lynch and the boys. Uh, mm. The world, the, real ones. the world has now come to the conclusion. That I think every Seahawks player came to, which is uh, they were fucked out of a second Super Bowl by Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the Seattle basically tanked their chances of having a dynasty all to protect the fragile ego of uh, this one man from Wisconsin who, uh, quite frankly, 
sucks personally and now apparently professionally <laughs> but man i'm still traumatized ha- yeah people want to have fun a couple of months ago marshawn lynch went on shannon sharp's little video podcast and uh they went over that play at the super bowl against the patriots where they refused to hand the ball off to marshawn lynch because they wanted russell wilson to be the poster boy for the team and uh marshawn assures everybody that he's not mad uh yet when hearing the interview and hearing him discuss it, yeah, he's still mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that mm. man is mad. <laughs> it deservedly so. All right. Fuck you, Russell Wilson. On to other new business. Uh, you know, new year, new business, guys. Uh, the Seattle City Council. Got a going to have an opening, right? Well, oh, mm. yeah, big news. Uh mm. So, yeah, so the Seattle Times editorial board, they put out a want ad. You know, they're, they're one to do this occasionally, put out a little want ad. A chance to make a difference on the Seattle City Council. Seattle City Council member wanted dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> For those who followed with great interest last year's Seattle City Council race and thought, hmm, I should have thrown my hat in the ring. That, it's that, not so that's too late. the tell that this is, this is for no one. <laughs> like that, I really wanted to. <laughs> right up front, right up front, that is how you know this was written for no one because that is what this is. This is, and this is the Seattle Times Ed Board exercising its civic duty in the, in the sort of uh, structure and process of governance of the city that they are the main paper for because we have this idiotic situation where Teresa Mosqueda ran for both seats and took the king went to the King County Council this is now you know open and what's going to happen is the new council is going to just name whoever the fuck they want and have probably <laughs> are probably already deciding but you have to go through this like phony pantomime they're about to tell us about and uh this is up front them saying uh that's what this is this is phony baloney uh, by addressing this to anyone who gave a shit about the city council race, which was <laughs> no one, not even us. Well, this job isn't for the faint of heart. Politics can be emotionally grueling and time-consuming. It can also test one's ethics as residents, businesses, vendors seeking contracts, and state and county politicians compete for a council member's time and influence. Okay, this I had to read twice because... When I first read it, I was like, uh, wait, we're so we're seeking a city council person. This can I'm hearing like about conflicts of ethics between like business people, vendors seeking contracts and politicians. And I'm like, yeah, because the people that if okay, if they are talking to anyone, it's business people who have something to benefit from the the. you know, legislation on the city council from the government of the city. Like that's who they're really talking, you know, like, so, uh, the, the Sarah Nelson's of the city, the small business owners, uh, turn out, put your name in, just be, just be aware, you know, this can be tricky. You, you really have to, uh, you know, talk to your lawyer and and make sure you don't say or do anything stupid. Uh, when you do the, the, when you do, use your power to benefit yourself and your class financially uh as you know uh sarah nelson as the mm-hmm. new president is already recommending you know uh lowering bi- biz- taxes on businesses 
like her own brewery. Um, you can do that, but just like know that there's, you know, there's some pitfalls <laughs> there you have to avoid. Well, I like it too, because I like to think that sometimes in job application or job um one ads or whatever, they'll put little hints there about the side benefits of the job, right? To try and yeah. kind of like lure you in. And I like to think that this is just a little hint right here of like, guys, plenty of room for corruption here if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you read that, that is what it seems like. It's now if you read it back, actually, if you parse the grammar of this thing, it's not actually what they're. You know, they, there's some deniability there. But I swear, the first <laughs> time I read it, it was like, come and do graft. You know, like <laughs> we need well, more of you because it benefits all of us, uh, the <laughs> business people of Seattle. You doing your graft. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, you know, it, it just reads like uh, uh, business class consciousness, like uh, a lot, you know. <laughs> it it should have just said, do you want to wet your beak? <laughs> That's just yeah. like, aside from being passionate about making Seattle a better place to live, work and play, candidates for council, uh, the council post should bring with them applicable experience in government or public policy, either as an elected official or as a city, county or state employee. So now we're just getting our job requirements out of the way. There are five new members of the nine member city council, though they bring diverse backgrounds and experiences. There will be some on-the-job training, <laughs> knowledge of and interest in some of the issues facing the city, such as homelessness, affordable housing, and municipal finances would be useful. So right there, they get out of the way, like, you know, what what kind of like previous requirements they're looking for. Now, I always tell my students, just because you don't have the experience they're asking for, that's a wish list from the employer. You still apply. All right. So I would yeah, encourage all of our listeners. Yeah, just lie about your experience. Fake it till you make it. You know, that's Absolutely. true in all work. The key thing they said right there is there's on the job training. So you don't need to actually know about knowing anything. Those interested in representing their fellow Seattleites should also possess the temperament and patience needed to engage publicly with their constituents and not dodge them or hide behind Zoom when it comes to public meetings. Who do you think that's a shot at? The council's selection for the position, which pays $144,600 a year. Whoa, record scratch. Why are we not applying for this job, guys? <laughs> oh, this is like the PPP loans all over again. We, we can definitely this. get appointed to the C- Seattle City Council. One of us, anyway. I mean, wait a minute. I'm the only one who lives in Seattle anymore. So I guess it's me. I guess I have to I have to take the bullet and apply <laughs> well, for this uh I didn't see year job. anything in those requirements about living in Seattle. Hell, New York's mayor lives somewhere in fucking New Jersey. I, I mean, think that we what could. What about uh, Seattle's mayor? Doesn't he have a house? <laughs> yeah, he lives in, in fucking yeah, Bellevue. He lives in Bellevue. Bellevue. Uh, this, uh, this is so embarrassing. Like, the, the, what it's what just like a phony, like phony baloney bullshit this is. Like, this is like, it is, they're writing it like a job posting because like they because what else are they going to say? Well, here's the salary, and these are the experiences. It's meaningless. <laughs> They're going to appoint whoever they want. Shut the fuck up. Yes, the person, they're they're telling the person they're going to appoint, you need to fill out this uh, here. They're sending them this Seattle Times link, you know, so mm-hmm. that they fill out the application. Like, uh, <laughs> embarrassing. Secure that bag, Greg. It pays 144 thousand dollars a year you know well look guys i was just on unemployment uh last week filing job applications for jobs that paid a hell of a lot less than this so (laughs) um yeah 
Uh, we be- should get our application considered. They'll certainly look mm-hmm. at all of ours and, you know, make an informed decision. Hey, yeah, just we like I tell my students. Zoom interview. Once, just get yourself into that interview, man. Once you get in the interview, anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the important information for listeners. Ooh, this really puts a deadline on getting this ed- video edited or Jesus, this episode edited and posted. Uh, the application deadline is 5 p.m. on Tuesday, January 9th. All right, listeners, you have till Tuesday at 5 to get Look. this in. Like Brian said, you all have to do your unemployment job searches anyway. A bunch of bums that you are. Like, Dude, I'm you know. so fucking mad I couldn't put this on my unemployment job search. This is like one of those like golden opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I could file one last claim before my actual, my weekly claim, before my uh, claim is up for the year. Um, but since I'm already, since it's already out of money, I'm not even doing it for the goofs. You know, <laughs> not even for the larfs. All right. Well, uh, look, I, like I said, all I could say is uh, $144,000 a year. We know that our average listener, you know, does not make that much money. So we'd have to take those first two numbers off. 4600 a year is what our average listener makes. Uh, mm-hmm. Get in there, guys. Uh, put your application in. I'm sure they're all going to be uh, considered and uh, decisions are based on merit and they don't already know who they're going to make the, the council candidate and that this is all pointless. Uh, yeah, get your applications in. That being said, over at uh, the South Seattle Emerald, we already got a, we, we not only have an application, we got a nomination coming in. From this the is floor. from, yeah, from the floor. This is the, the opinion the section. Floor. <laughs> Greg, you brought this to us. Uh, Tanya Wu should fill Muscada's vacant city council seat. What do we got here? Well, you know, this is something that was said right from the beginning, uh, you know, from like night one uh, when, you know, the election was over. Like, oh, it should be uh, the loser whose politics align most with the new council. You know, that's mm-hmm. the, that. And uh, hey, that's as good. Uh, that's as good a guess as anybody. I don't know if that you keep hearing this. It should be Tanya mm. Wu. Like from right from the get go, people were throwing that out there. So I don't know. Does that mean that's who it's going to be? I, I have no idea. Um, it it makes sense. There is some like phony democratic legitimacy to like someone who at least ran an election, even though it's hilarious. Like you know, you end up picking a loser. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, but whatever. So maybe that's going to happen. I mean, to remind everyone, Tanya Wu was running in the second and, uh, lost to Tammy Morales. Uh, but you know, she, she, she was the, uh, she's like some kind of, she runs like a neighborhood watch or something in the second. And like, so, and it's like, you know, basic, basic answers of like, yeah, business friendly shit that like, it just sounds like she's, uh, trying to campaign from the beginning for Sarah Nelson's vote on filling this empty council seat that everyone knew was coming. <laughs> so I almost, it's, it's, there's actually a possibility in here that this was always uh, some people's plan from the beginning it was like, Hey, uh, you know, run for this seat. Cause then that'll give us a reason to, uh, to appoint you on the council. Um, cause I, this, you know, was everyone knew this was probably coming down. Um, She's also the 
person whose greatest hit of the election cycle was uh, the stranger determining that she had literally never voted in the second, despite living there for like 30 years <laughs> um, or any or in any Seattle election. Um, and, you know, t- typical like business, you know, chamber style uh, careerist, know nothing dimwit. Uh, but, you know, she's she's got shooters. Um, so we're not going to read this whole thing, but just because this might actually happen, that's a plausible thing. They might actually appoint this woman. I don't know. We'll, we'll just get the best argument that like, uh, her team, one of her staffers, also a Herald staffer could get into a paper in this town. Uh, here's just a, a paragraph. Uh, tell me if you can pick out the argument here for, uh, electing her. Tanya Wu ran against an incumbent and nearly beat Tammy Morales. The race was razor close, and clearly Tanya's message resonated with voters. <laughs> That's but why she got elected. Enough votes. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, voters I and guess, votes are two different things, actually. I, I guess we could stop there. And I mean, uh, <laughs> like we're not going to read this whole thing because I, I when I first started reading, it, I thought, oh, this will be great for the show. But actually, like it's so it would like. Look, I have nothing against punching down, but like there's punching down and there's punching down. Like if we actually like went through and took this apart and this and this guy ever heard it, he might kill himself because like it's <laughs> it's it's both deranged and like badly written and like and yeah, anyway, but so we're not going to do that. We'll just continue on with this one paragraph here. Oh, there but there weren't enough votes. M dash the new redlining at work. <laughs> love it i love what we're doing uh, with this okay uh people of color turn out in lower numbers generally and in a district that has traditionally had that traditionally has the lowest turnout this disparity is magnified so the fate and fortunes of seattle's most diverse district are again left to be decided by the modern colonizers of traditional neighborhoods of color <laughs> who have the luxury of voting, who have the luxury of voting ideologically while never experiencing the realities of living in South Seattle, an area that has been oh, yes. traditionally been marginalized and underserved. So it's incoherent, but if you want to like give it some credit, he's talking about gentrification. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole article is basically about like needing a South Seattle Asian American representation to somehow save Chinatown or turn around the gentrification. And I mean, that's the saddest part. Like, is it's not that's not gonna work, bro. Like, it's it doesn't yeah, like yeah. she's just a chamber candidate. Like, she can talk all she wants about like, yeah, like the the Chinatown is disappearing, and it is, but like uh, the the international yeah. district is like shrinking, and people are being forced out. And and you know, obviously, other neighborhoods in the second Columbia City, you know, like like gentrification is happening there now at at a rapid pace, and that is going to affect like everything about that district, including yeah, the elections. I mean, what was what was uh what's Tanya Wu's plan to stop that? I I don't know. She didn't. She hasn't even voted in this city like (laughs) what also like uh, has given no indication whatsoever that she would tell real estate interests no 
you yeah. know, uh, which is the which only she thing that actually anyway. stop Yeah, but yeah, like, but she can't do anything. She's not so. even on that side. I mean, you know, like we're losing Shama Sawant in the third. You know, and now I mean, she's she's out. She's retired after ten years and seventeen elections. Um, you know, <laughs> that was someone who was, you know, full throatedly always out like for the working class of the third district of the city for renters, you know, and she was able to through incredible feats of, uh, politicking and organizing, like actually get like good things through. Of course, the second she's out, her, uh, renters rights committee was, uh, just abolished by Sarah Nelson, uh, on (laughs) day one. Um, so like, but, you know, but that wasn't able to stop gentrification in mm-hmm. the third or anywhere else, like this council that if Tanya Wu gets appointed to it, it's going to be because she's in line with the business like prerogatives yeah. of the council, this new council. Like that's the only reason she's getting in there is to be like another, another rubber stamp on the Nelson Harrell agenda. Like that. I'm sorry. They're, they ain't going to do shit to keep people, uh, yeah. to keep the old families in Chinatown. Like they're not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, that and this sort of argument of we got to get that cracker Tommy or Tammy Morales out of yeah. uh, out of the district is like a funny one, but also she lost a you know she, she's an incumbent all right it's like the first series she won the city councilors because she's an incumbent all right incumbents tend to yeah. win, but like she lost a lot of votes from 2019 to 2023. Yeah. She had 16,000 votes in 2019 and 12,000 in 2023. So it's like if the, if she's the product of colonizers voting, that's an interesting voting pattern. I do have to say the reality is, is that there is no anti-gentrification candidate anywhere. Right. Like this is every American city. Every American city. The problem is housing and costs. Right. Gentrification is a part of that process. But in every major American city, there is no candidate running against that. Nobody has any initiative to stop it. It's uh, sure as fuck ain't. Tanya Wu. No, I mean, who's like just a a chamber clone lightweight. Well, that and her entire position seemed to be that Tammy was too far to the left and that Tanya was going to be like a reasonable, you know, centrist or whatever on the council. It's like, I'm sorry, what about that says it's going to attack landlords and real estate developers? Yeah. Well, Uh, you know, if you want more insights into like the argument for Tanya Wu from her team, uh, go ahead and read this thing. It's in the opinion page at the South Seattle Emerald with a nice big uh, disclaimer at the bottom about like uh, how they try to to you know highlight disparate voices. It's by you know one of her uh, Wu staffers, Matt Chan, and he also works uh, for the Herald Administration. Um, it, it's deranged. <laughs> like in addition to just like not like Tony Wu being like an like a total lightweight who might actually get appointed. Like it's, it's deranged. So if you're, if you're into yeah, that, this it's is too wild. It's, it's too, it's almost, it's just too crazy to even read. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also one of those things too, of like, uh, it's probably going to happen. My guy, like, don't worry about it. <laughs> the machinations <laughs> are happening, man. Maybe. You I know, mean, I don't know. I don't like, want to sit back. I don't know that that's the case. I keep hearing about it since day one. So that makes me think there is a chance. And I don't know who else I'm hearing about. Mm-hmm. Um, them so it does make it does seem like it could really happen but uh yeah i don't know well from that on to something that greg has hinted at already but here fresh in the new year january 3rd our new council president sarah nelson 
uh, you know, gave her first inkling of what her agenda is going to be. And guys, the city is changing direction. Can you believe it? Uh, we're now going to look at small business tax breaks and uh, increasing police pay. So we're we're veering away from what every other American city is doing, and we're just going to move towards tax breaks and increasing police pay. Oh, wait, I'm getting some notification right here. Oh, this is all city politics ever in America. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, looking yeah, forward to... Approach. Yeah, I'm sure it'll work. Th- we're gonna keep this doing, time. Yeah, we're going to keep giving <laughs> the cops pay raises they've been getting for decades. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the 60th straight year of doing this, and I'm sure this time it's going to work, guys. Um, I will give credit to Sarah Nelson for just giving herself a tax break <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. Basically, like, my my first goal of this administration is a little for me and a little for the cops. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on that one. Congrats on the future uh, windfall, Sarah. <laughs> Written by yourself, given to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the game all along, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, it's not like the, the you know council politics have been all that different in the past. What I kind of like, though, is we should go back more to early 20th century kind of city politics, where the person is directly giving the windfall to themselves, as opposed yeah. to just hiring somebody as a face to go give it to them. It's like, uh, just, yeah, it's them executing it, actually. That is very, like, early 20th century. Tammany yeah, Hall. We're truly in the progressive Honest era. Honest graphs, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like to know, get up and go, that shows. What's... What what I love about that is like that we're moving back to that, but without the we've moved past the need for political machines and patronage. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to vote for these people and you get nothing. Yeah, yeah. Your well, this, is, like, this is the rise and grind culture. That's what it's done to uh, political graft. Right. South Seattle, the international district. You get nothing. You the families, you know, like if Tam if Tanya Wu gets in there, uh, you get nothing. Uh, you get to eat shit and keep eating shit. You don't even get like a bunch of cop jobs for your like community that are yeah, like yeah. in like locked into this a political machine run by Sarah Nelson and deputized by Tanya Wu, like no, no, you, no get, that, you get nothing and like that it. right there, Greg, is the biggest uh like fuck up and like spit in the face of all of this is that yeah, uh Sarah Nelson's gonna make sure that every cop in Seattle gets like five hundred thousand dollars a year to work for SPD. And they can't even vote for her. Yeah, and not one of them is gonna live in the city of Seattle, right? Like basically it's a giant jobs program for Bellevue. And it's incredible because yes, in an earlier era, she would have gone to people in her district and been like look, I've created this idiot job where you can just sleep in your car all day and you will become a millionaire in three years. Um, and I'm like, whoever supports me the hardest, whoever's going to like side up the most people and drag them to the polls to vote for me, right? Uh, they're going to get these jobs, right? You're going to get to choose 20 people to, to get these like no work jobs, right? Uh, yeah, that's gone now because rise and grind culture, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You got to grind for these jobs that I just fucking uh, created here. You know? but yeah, it's, uh, it's no good. I don't like it. <laughs> From this Como article about, uh, you know, the new Nelson Harrell regime where they interviewed uh, 
Sarah Nelson got some stuff uh, a little ways down here. This this is the part that I this is the big block quote that I got found most interesting. Um, Fremont Brewing co-founder the Fremont Brewing co-founder also said the more business friendly council will look at ways to stimulate activity and look at potential tax breaks or suspensions. Oh, like br- break the taxes. Fuck, we're, we're getting rid of them. Um, <laughs> no, she's also talking about this in like, oh, we need to look at spending too. Of course, she's talking about, you know, uh, that means everything but the cops. Same Again, yep. same policy that's been going on for decades. We're going to cut schools and libraries and whatever the fuck else, you know. Oh, we're going to give the cops a raise. But peep this quote. This is, this is from Sarah Nelson. This is from Sarah Nelson to quote, helping the small businesses first and foremost is public safety and the need to make sure that workers and customers feel safe getting to the workplace and the businesses they are patronizing. (laughs) Public safety (laughs) is the foundation of our recovery. Mm. Nelson said Nelson. Mm. I have signaled that I am open to be a node in the tax (laughs) suspension for a new business that I want to locate downtown. I think the city activity that generates revenue should be encouraged in any way we possibly can. Yeah. What, what could all that possibly mean? Public (laughs) safety is the foundation of our recovery. Like this Mm -hmm. is we're, we've now, I mean, this is what this is what life in America is. This is it's like the what we see. If you if you can stand to open your eyes and like read a newspaper, it's just like every day. It's like, no, like the process is over. The the history is done. Neoliberalism is complete. Like there's Mm -hmm. we're not it's not there's no talk of any kind of stimulus of any kind of program to like actually build like anything that could grow an economy. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. it's, again, like, yeah. you know, th- it, this is all, it's all kayfabe, this idea, like every city for the last decades, like we're, we need to revitalize our downtown, but it is what, what animates city politics. Right. But we're now at the point where it's not like about, uh, it's not about like redevelopment even like even these goofy ideas of like redevelopment. If you go back far enough, then revitalization, if you mm-hmm. get back to the nineties and two thousands, that's even gone now. Yeah. It's just helping small businesses first and foremost is public safety. That's all they have. This is the entire program, right? All that's left is cutting everything else and giving more money to the cops. And somehow that is supposed to in their rhetoric, whether in their, whether they believe this or what, that is the thing that's going to do all the things cities have you know, said they want to do for decades. We want to uh, bring the the shoppers back to downtown. We want to revitalize our downtown streets. We want to do all this shit that they're actually, that the, all their policies are actually like uh, precluding, you know, driving people from living out of cities, you know, driving, you know, uh, uh, not, not building transportation enough, public transportation enough to actually facilitate like the, the an old image of a, of a vibrant downtown, uh, you know, all this shit creating, mm-hmm. uh, an impossible like city to live in a city for no one, you know, but <laughs> now we're, we're at the point where it's, they're actually saying it. it's not like for decades, it's been, 
oh, we're going to do these revitalizations. We're going to gentrify these neighbors, whatever. And all the while, like, uh, it's it's we don't have the money to to spend on schools. We need to take it down. Also, you know, there's terrorism. We need to increase increase the police budget in case Al Qaeda comes here. Like whatever it is, that that's all just stripped away. No, like we're doing when redevelopment. Comes here. Yeah, <laughs> it's all stripped away. It's just no. If you want to revitalize downtown, if you want to make this a world class city, whatever the fucking current uh, rhetoric is, the last tool left, skipping all the in between like bullshit steps, is the give money to the cops tool. Is yeah. the more cops? Is public safety? As if in a crumbling society, you're going to do anything to save it by just having more armed thugs on the street. Public safety is the foundation of our recovery. This is, this is the beatings will continue until morale improves. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and I don't know. That is, that's that distilled. This is just, yeah. look, until you, until this city is revitalized, like the violence just needs to keep going up. Like that's what we've got. If we, if all, the only problem here, it's not like the crumbling, like economic, foundations of our entire society it's not people being ground into dust like of poverty and homelessness it's like the criminal poor class just needs to be eradicated by more and more cops and every like every corner of every street held like with an armed car with a machine gun pointed at someone and somehow that's gonna be what makes a city a city again and they're mm-hmm. and I just I can't get over public safety is the foundation of our recovery. You're talking about yeah. economic recovery and you're saying that cops with guns are what are going to do that. It's fucking psychotic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard the interview maybe a month ago that Greg Grandin gave to Radio War Nerd when Kissing oh, yeah. died. Don't worry, I'm not bitter about that, Greg, that you won't respond to my DMs. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm totally not mad. But at the end, he made this point that you know, certainly while we hint around it at like ending the myth and stuff like that, the succinctness with which he made it, I just thought was really important, which he was talking about, like why America is different than a lot of other places in the world. And he's like, you know, it's this especially cruel place. And he says, you know, look, it's not just cruel to people abroad, like it's cruel to its own people. Yeah. And, you know, he mentions he's like, you know, in the previous wars of the 20th century, like the Vietnam War and stuff like that. He's like, as horrifying as it was abroad, like it was paired with these massive, you know, programs at home, whether expanding the welfare state or infrastructure, things like that. Right. He's like, what became different is after the Cold War that the United States didn't just impose the conqueror's peace on Russia. It imposed it on itself. Yeah. Right. And so you'd have these wars in Iraq where like Mm. literally the war in Iraq was paired with a dismantling of infrastructure at home, a dismantling of the social safety net at home. And it's like everything became a war against everybody, including its own population. And his sort of response, you know, he's talking about the Israel Palestine at this point. His sort of response is like, what do you expect from the United States other than like to support a genocide, to choose the cruelest option and to behave in the way it's behaving? I mean, look at this place. And then the. Yeah, the obvious implication is like that's just it's coming home in maybe mm-hmm. a diluted form, but like you can expect a just like you know, look, it's all it's a process. The deadly exchange has gone on for a long time. You know, like SPD cops have been in Israel being trained by the same psychos who are 
like directly carrying out this genocide now, but like that's what that's what Sarah Nelson wants to buy instead mm-hmm. of like any like uh economic you know stimulus. I mean, th- this is yeah. this is this is it, man. Yeah, it's exactly that. That is that is an insane like image he painted of like we're just doing now what we did to ourselves more slowly what we did yeah. to um Russia yeah, in the nineties, you basically. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just 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 stripping it for parts for for international finance capital to liquidate. Uh, so on that point on, you know, look, public safety is uh, the foundation of economic recovery and whatnot. Uh, obviously, you know, the increased policing of a city has consequences. We saw that in 2020 with the murder of Manuel Ellis by the Tacoma Police Department. And just before, I think two days before, three days before Christmas, uh, the officers involved in that murder were, of course, all acquitted. Not surprising, I think, anybody. But uh, it is just it's another... surprising they went to trial. Yeah, it's basically the only surprising point there. And that's and just, basically because it happened in 2020. Yeah, and just like another, like, grotesquerie. And, it, you know, the Manuel Ellis story is... A long, windy one. Initially, the Tacoma Police Department, of course, acquitted themselves, and the city of Tacoma was going to make no effort to pursue any sort of investigation of the incident. Uh, the governor actually had to step in and force an investigation, which, of course, the Tacoma Police Department did not you know, participate in in any way. Um, and that's what led to the trial. But I don't think anybody was you know, too uh, convinced that anything good was going to come out of the trial. Uh, the Ellis case was Ellis, of course, was a black man. He was seen by two Tacoma police officers on the street one night. Uh, They decided that they were going to arrest him. They called him back up, told back up in a demonstrable lie that Manuel Ellis had attacked them and attacked their car. They threw him on the ground, hogtied him, sat on his back, and then stuck a hood over his head for reasons uh, that I got to say to go PD is not explained adequately. I think uh, the whole time he began saying that he couldn't breathe. They sat on him until they murdered him until he was dead. Uh, once he was no longer moving and was physically dead, they then called the EMTs to come over and revive him. At which point, of course it was too late. The police officers claimed a lot of different things. A, that he had attacked them uh, one of the officers claimed that Manny Ellis had used superhuman strength to pick him up and throw him across the sidewalk. Interestingly, the other officer did not mention that at all <laughs> in any uh, uh, test or anything like that. All of which is just belied by the fact that there were three actual witnesses there who weren't cops. So we know they weren't lying, uh, who all individually report the exact same thing they saw, which is the cops approached Ellis. He never attacked them. They attacked him. Uh, and it was just a cold-blooded murder on their part. Um, they just wanted but, to murder someone that night. Yep, basically, that's what it came down to. Or they, wanted to they had, they had seriously these... hurt somebody, and then they killed him, and that was yeah. also satisfactory to them. They wanted to use the uh, the black bags they evidently yeah. must have gotten around. They're like, "Hey, we've got these hoods, like like um, uh, evil." thugs use in movies to kidnap people for some reason we have this uh, let's use mm-hmm. it and you could guess every detail from that point on which is of course 
the police released uh, Manuel Ellis's previous criminal record to the news who ran with it and basically ran with the police story for a month, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Interestingly, um, the governor demanded that Washington State Patrol look into the case and Tacoma PD just stonewalled the state patrol, <laughs> like wouldn't talk to them. Nobody from Tacoma PD would talk to them uh, or give them any sort of uh, explanation or testimony or anything like that. Uh, that's the because, code, man. Just one of those fascinating things that that's just like everybody just kind of shrugs that off and is not like, wow, sounds like a criminal organization. I got to say yeah, uh... <laughs> I thought that was just La Cosa Nostra that uh, had that kind of code of silence. So, yeah, that shit happened. And then uh, in the Tacoma News Tribune, an editorial was written uh, that's like, (laughs) that fucking sucks. I don't know what to say about it, but we're going to say a lot about it in the Patreon episode. That's right. uh, For our wonderful Patreon listeners, this episode will continue on into infinity past this point where we talk about this editorial in the Tacoma paper. Uh, for those of you who are not patrons, tisk 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 on you. Remember, every dollar you give us on Patreon goes to Hamas. And if you <laughs> so, go ahead, become a patron. Uh, you can check out the rest of the episode where we discuss the horrible editorial in the Tacoma News Tribune. It's written I, by a cop, guys. I, I, I should cop. specify. I just want to, you know, make clear about Brian's statement just then about you know certain financial transactions it's actually getting really difficult to send money to hamas so we've had <laughs> we have to give it to hezbollah you know <laughs> <laughs> all right see everybody on patreon i don't know yeah. on patreon right. yeah. that's the last part i fucked that up <laughs>